From Chicago, welcome to Three Degrees Discussions. I'm your host, Mike Vasquez. This is a podcast devoted to the stories behind the innovators, entrepreneurs, and leaders in the 3D printing industry. We're at the tipping point where you're seeing a lot of you know, manufacturers actually realize the importance of having that risk mitigation in place with 3D printing because of what's happened but they don't feel too secure about, hey, which technology do I pick? You know, how much do I have to invest in this? What sort of infrastructure do I have to have? How is this really gonna be a business plan? You know, and so those two things, the education side of it, I see is ramping up in the last nine months. And then, you know, just getting people involved and, and, and working with an open communication. You know, that's, that's been the different side of things. I've seen a lot of people communicate in this industry that weren't communicating before the pandemic. That was Adam Penna from All Digital Additive Manufacturing. Since 2015, he has been focused on additive manufacturing, consulting sales, marketing strategy, customer experience, and exploring technologies like laser powder bed fusion. He spent a number of years at EOS, helping them build a regional brand, managing channel partners, and developing an inside sales team. And now has a video podcast where he connects with people that pique his interest in and around 3D printing and additive manufacturing, continuing the conversation by promoting positive people and applications behind the AM events while sharing educational knowledge together layer by layer. He joins the show today to talk about his thoughts on how COVID-19 has impacted the AM industry and what trends dictated by the pandemic will extend beyond 2020. Well, Adam, welcome to the show. For our audience, why don't we just start with a little bit of background? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, great to be here, Mike. Uh, it's wild being on the other side of these interviews. And uh, I guess a little bit of background, you know, I, I've, I've been in manufacturing for close to the last 20 years. I uh, started out on the design side, you know, in engineering, uh, working with CAD in, in the late 90s and uh, mid 90s, I guess I should say I started, but, you know, just getting involved in design in general and the manufacturing industry on the mechanical side, mechanical engineering. And that, that parlayed into looking into metrology. You know, I spent uh, close to a, a decade in metrology, uh, working for uh, Faro Technologies, and then were, uh, went on to work for Creaform, working in portable metrology uh, for a few years there. And um, so, yeah, just more experienced in, in, in the, uh, you know, the, uh, the engineer side of design, but then also looking into actually what you do with all of the data, the point cloud data for a long time. And, and that's where I first saw 3D printers, you know, getting into point clouds and working, uh, working uh, with different, different vendors and being out on the road as a salesperson uh, because I started out in engineering, uh, that, but then slowly got involved in, in sales only because I saw a lot of interesting things happening over there. And I was like, oh, those guys are making some good money. Let me see what I could do. Uh, but it was also a natural progression. I was working a lot in support and working with customers. And the next thing I know, I was just, you know, solving what they were doing to set up their measuring instrument. And that was with CAD and walking them through CAD. And next thing I know, I'm like, hey, uh, you might need uh, this kind of probe to do that because you don't want to, you know, mark up a surface or stuff like that. So I started selling accessories. Next thing I know, I was in sales. And uh, it's, it was a wild ride in sales and did a lot of good stuff with that. And that's where I ended up at uh, EOS after completing a, 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 yeah, my master's degree was later in life, you know. Um, so after completing that, I ended up at EOS and uh, worked there for the last five years. And uh, it was a wild ride. Obviously, last five years have been very, very uh, 
You know, there's a lot of growth in our industry. So there's been a lot of things happening. Those five years felt like 10 years, but looking at production, you know, looking at what it is to take things to production. And uh, a lot of it's still prototype, but it's, it's at that tipping point now where you're seeing all the applications come out that are more suited for the production uh, side of it. So it's been, it's been wild, but uh, that's, that's kind of a nutshell what's been going on with me. And uh, it's, it's it ended me up here in this position right now talking to you. So. And so over that time, as you started with metrology and getting into 3D printing and certainly on the sales side, what were some of the observations that you kind of took from the metrology side into 3D printing? Was it a different way of selling people or talking to them about the technology? Yeah, yeah. Good question. You know, it, you know, the whole thing uh, kind of popped up in my career, you know, as far as I actually saw in the 90s, everything happening with 3D systems and, uh, you know, Stratasys. And, you know, back then there was the Z Corp uh, that was happening uh, out, out in the industry. And, and those, those were kind of where I first started to see the 3D printers. Um, I, I was working with point cloud data. And when you capture all that data, you have to do something with it. A lot of it's used for inspection and reverse engineering. So those were the two big kind of, uh, you know, uh, solutions that I, that I actually worked with with all the customers. And in doing that, when you're collecting a lot of the point cloud data, it obviously can be turned into surfaces, you know. And those surfaces are STLs, and those STLs are then put inside of a printer to print. And so I, I spent a lot of time uh, working with those people on the road, uh, actually working in tandem of, okay, we're going to collect this point cloud data, but then we could actually come up with your surface data and be able to print this out for you. And it's, it's more, and we're seeing that in the industry, right? It's the ecosystem, you know, cradle to grave, what happens before and what happens after, you know? Uh, so that was the beginning of that. I started to see 3D printers out there and people using them in the prototype industry and in the design field. I worked with uh, a lot of automotive companies that were in the early stages of working with you know the clay models right and they're, they're forming a clay model to be a body surface so let's go ahead and scan that and take a look at deviation analysis and get into hey what what can you do differently iterations quicker iterations than working with the clay and molding the clay each time so that was um you know there's so many different applications that just started to sprout up because of point cloud data and because of actual portable metrology you know metrology was fixed for a long time and uh, then it all of a sudden became portable in the, uh, in the late 80s, early 90s. The next thing you know, all of this data had to be used for something. And, and uh, it, was, it was ripe for 3D printing. So that, that kind of is where that led me into this field. Yeah. And I'm excited for the conversation today. So we were talking a little bit off air about kind of what do we want to talk about? We've had a few conversations over the last few weeks and kind of as people are aware from the, your background, it's the, we're getting towards the end of 2020. Yeah. Um, and Kind of, you've had kind of some new things you've started up the podcast. We start there. Kind of what what's it been like um, as a fellow podcaster getting a getting that going and getting it off the ground? What was the what was the inspiration? Yeah, yeah. You know, I guess the inspiration is is the mouth. You know, I like to talk. Uh, you know, if you if you haven't noticed, but no, it, it all kind of um, came about organically. You know, uh, early in the year, I was part of the COVID cuts. You know, after a, a wonderful tenure over at EOS. Uh, wonderful company, spent a lot of great time doing a lot of great projects with people and have nothing but respect for the Longer family. Uh, they do a great job and it's, it's wonderful to see what they're doing. But what happened, happened, you know, and it happened to a lot of people. So I'm not alone. But that, um, you know, that kind of put me in a spot where I, I didn't know what was next. This has been a, a very scary time with obviously the pandemic and the uncertainty of what's next. 
And uh, I just was talking to a lot of colleagues uh, that also lost their job and uh, pointing them in the right direction of things for continuing education, you know, webinar, staying on top of the industry. And I created a calendar, you know, and I started sharing that with people. Next thing I know, I was talking to people about what's coming up next. Uh, somebody shared a video and uh, I had a few more calls about doing another video. And there it was, it was off and running. And, uh, you know, after a while, I started converting all that into audio podcasts. But it's been, it's, it was unplanned, but at the same time, very uh, organically has been growing over this nine months that it's been so far. And uh, it's been great getting to network with people, especially because we're all in a very different state right now as far as emotional state. You know, people are trying to stay healthy and, and be involved, be engaged, network. And there's a lot of great stories to be told. There's a lot of great people in this industry. So it's not hard on that side of it. It's just that uh, it's exciting for me. And I think that shows every time I get together with people to do a podcast because I am very interested. I love what we're doing and I love to see how we're helping the actual, you know, the industry and, and the world in a lot of ways evolve. Things are evolving and 3D printing plays a really big part in making things better. So I like to focus on that. And, uh, you know, that's what I brought into each one of the podcasts. And one of the big things that I found challenging, I'd done a podcast a number of years ago, but yeah, you were saying. Te technology yeah. has changed, but you have to get re reacquainted with microphones, video, yeah. how do you record, how do you edit? And that's been a, I mean, the conversation in some ways is the easy part. <laughs> Getting yeah, all it's everything ahead. after how many things I've messed up. I even uh, had a little blooper uh, this morning because I've switched computers, uh, have Zoom on two computers, had it set up one way and different on another, didn't realize it. And so uh, sometimes things don't record the way you want and you have to deal with what you get. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, all those little things you don't think about. It's, it's, it's easy talking. It's, it's, it's a whole nother world when you're getting into actually editing and uh, video production and, and working with making it sound uh, decent and look decent for people. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been a great challenge, a good challenge, a good problem to have, you know, when you're working on making things and improving yourself at the same time. So it's been fun. Have you seen a, any trends or patterns in the conversations that you've had over the last few months? Yeah, you know, that, that's, that is the truth it, as far as patterns and trends. Everything or a lot of topics seem to stem around the uh, same two things that I keep seeing is the education side of it, you know, and the security. You know, people are wanting to feel secure in many ways, you know, with what's going on with the pandemic, with procedures. But also, I mean, it's, we've had the same issues over and over for years in the industry with intellectual property and people opening up what they're doing on the machines and, and sharing, uh, you know, data and languages and, and uh, you know, making people feel comfortable doing that. There's been a lot of good partnerships to make that comfortable and make security and education a forefront of what's happening in our industry because we're at the tipping point where you're seeing a lot of, you know, manufacturers actually realize the importance of having that risk mitigation in place with 3D printing because of what's happened. But they don't feel too secure about, hey, which technology do I pick? You know, how much do I have to invest in this? What sort of infrastructure do I have to have? How is this really going to be a business plan? You know, and so those two things, the education side of it, I see is ramping up in the last nine months. And then, you know, just getting people involved and, and, and working with an open communication. You know, that's, that's been the different side of things. I've seen a lot of people communicate in this industry that weren't communicating before the pandemic. So that, that's, that allows for the growth of the industry. We talk about industrialization, right? And you see all the mature advanced manufacturing that's out there 
it's already been industrialized. There's things that are standards that are in place. There's a way it flows and, and, and everybody's used to it. I want to make this, I get this machine, you know, we're not quite there, but we're getting there. And those applications are starting to be sussed out by individual companies. And if they're not doing it, this pandemic has put them in the mode of, Hey, let's check our inventory. Let's see what parts we can turn over to uh, 3d printing, at least have that backup available or the knowledge of how we could do it. So it's been an evolution, a fast evolution over the last nine months, but I think it's, it's very important and it's been exciting. So I'm, I'm glad to keep listening and keep learning. You know, it's, it's great. Yeah. And one of the things I've observed or uh, I'm trying to reframe kind of how, what my thesis is around the additive manufacturing market, because there's mm-hmm. kind of two stories that are really kind of in my mind, I'm trying to, to flesh out. You have the, the one end, you, the company's learning, kind of getting inundated with what are the, my options? Like, okay, can we go from FDM for prototyping to, to something else, maybe in production, but then after 25 years of the industry being around, there are a cohort of companies, it's not huge, that are pretty advanced. And yeah. that's where a lot of the case studies are coming from. And you get kind of the, some of the buzzwords coming up and, and what they're actually doing, which is some really cool stuff. But there's a big chasm between those. It's like the, um, and how with a lot of the industry pushing forward more advanced, advanced, advanced stuff, are we leaving behind kind of like the, the folks that aren't already inundated with the technology and don't live and breathe it on a day-to-day basis? So uh, I'm trying to think through that. It's been something that's been weighing on my mind of because I've, I've been in my fair share of facilities and small, medium-sized companies. And like when you talk about 3D printing, it's not the, there are still a lot of hurdles to overcome in, in people and technology-wise. No, it's the truth. I, I think, uh, you know, it, it, it might be uh, in our face every day, but as far as the, the average manufacturer out there, it is a pretty new thing, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, a, it's um, you know, it's something that's disrupting the normal supply chains, everything else out there. Uh, at the same time, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's important. It's important to be involved in, in something that actually gives you a few more choices. You know, you look at customization, uh, you look at what's happening even in the medical industry with point of care. I mean, my gosh, how much can be done at that point? It's really just t- scra- you know, scraping the surface of what can be done there. Uh, so there's just so many things. I hear a lot of on-demand you know, manufacturing, and that's where we'd like to see it. You know? Hey, you know, the big dream was I push a button, it gets printed, right? There's a lot more than, that goes into it besides that. You know, and you being a material scientist obviously know that you know, materials are a big part of it. Um, being able to have a design that actually works inside of the whole you know, system, not only when you're printing it, but what's happening before and where it's going afterwards. Uh, there's a lot of thought that goes into that ecosystem, you could say, of, of uh, making a, a, a positive business case and the right solution for the right application. So, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of in the wild, wild west as far as that goes. You know, everybody's finding applications. Everybody's working on what is real and what's not. You know, the affordability, the amount that you can produce, larger machines, faster build times. You know, it's all kind of pushing forward. But there is still a lot to be done. And there's a lot of communication, a lot of talks that need to be had. And um, they're being had right now. So that is the positive side of it. Where do you think kind of the education falls into that conversation both kind of in the industry but or like the manufacturing industry as a whole but also kind of those leading into potentially getting into the field 
Yeah, you know, um, I, I've been privy to a couple uh, recent conversations, uh, even with uh, the Rochester Institute of Technology. Uh, I, had a, I had a podcast with them that'll be coming out shortly, but also, you know, working with the University of Dayton and then working with, uh, you know, even local groups like uh, Girl Scouts. I mean, the Girl Scouts are doing great things with education and 3D printing. I was actually part of a, a badge that uh, the Girl Scouts had here in Central Texas for Helping Hands, and that was Enable, which is a company that makes prosthetics. And then the Girl Scouts put together all of these and, and actually delivered them to the patients. So very interesting things going on in education in the young, you know, the youth of our, uh, you know, of our world. My, my daughter is 11 years old and in her, her uh, first uh, grade class, she had a 3D printer. You know, I didn't, I didn't see one of those until I was in my 20s. So, I mean, it's um, really neat to see the, the, uh, the acceleration of education on all sides of it. Um, but again, you know, I think when you're dealing with different companies and different manufacturers, educating those people, you know, the, the decision makers in the industry uh, is, I think, um, and I've had some conversations even recently with uh, local, you know, with not local software companies, but global software companies that have that same issue. You know, how do we break through, you know, the people that aren't on LinkedIn, the people that are making decisions need to be educated somehow. And, um, you know, there's a lot of different groups, consulting groups that can go out there and do that. Uh, but it's, it's picking up speed, you know, education is huge. Now you've been seeing programs inside of universities for specifically additive manufacturing. We're just starting to see those graduates come out into the world, you know, so there's a lot to be happened, a lot to happen inside of education that hasn't happened yet. It's in the midst of happening. We're going to see the next generation coming up that's had this stuff since kindergarten, since first grade, you know. And it's exciting because it's, it's nice to, to mentor those people. I've had a lot of great conversations, continue to do that. And uh, just being able to be open and share the information, I think that's a big important thing. It goes back to our security and education topic, you know. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. Getting involved with STEM, you know, STEM education is huge. I see a lot of the, um, the women in 3D printing are working with Maker Girl actually on curriculum that's going to be coming uh, forward in 2021 for teachers. So uh, that's a big thing. You know, teachers are out there and they're working on their own cur curriculums that are usually given to them. So to add an extra element of something that has to do with manufacturing it's not being done everywhere. So you need the outside help. You need all the organizations that are actually coming up with curriculums that can work and that can be tested, improved and accelerate that inside of education. So it's exciting, but you know, there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, it's a good train to drive uh, on because uh, there's a lot happening and there's a lot of places to help out. So if you're not involved and you know a lot, it's a wonderful thing to get involved with. From your experience on the sales side, selling machines and, and equipment and materials, what was the education like for your potential customers? Were you dealing with mostly people who weren't familiar with it or had read an article or kind of where, where did that conversation typically start? Yeah. So, you know, the big thing there was, you know, the sales that I was doing is in the metal AM side. Mm -hmm. So, you know, metal AM really in the last five years has started to come into the reality of what can be done. You know, it was, it was initially way too expensive and way too hard for most people. And a lot of people didn't even know it exists, still might not know it exists out there. Um, so the, the sales side of it, you know, is, is, is a big part of education. Um, what I did see when I was out there uh, was the fact that, you know, people have their things in mind that they want to do, you know, they, that, that we're looking for something. So they're interested in a printer because they have a specific thing they're coming up against. 
and they might, you know, have an attribute inside of 3D printing that works best for their solution, but they don't know how. They know they can get customization. Then they don't know, hey, this might cost more if you do it this way. So there's the, the education that's going on with the engineers over the last five years, you know, of what can be done. If this is the right part to do it with. You know, why are you actually looking into purchase a machine or do you really need a service before you purchase a machine? Um, you know, it's a, it's a big investment, right? There's a big investment, especially when you're looking into production machines. And so there's a bit of education that has to go on. And that usually happens inside of your service centers. You know, the people that are out there, the contract manufacturers that can show a solution that's already existing and show how they're having and, you know, having a success with it. So it's, it's marrying those two together, letting people see the successful uh, case studies, but also understanding what their particular business case is and why it's important to them. You know, there's a lot of education that goes on there. How much of, I'm always curious with, with kind of this question, how much of the, the sales process is kind of top down versus bottom up for this, side, this sort of equipment where you may have some engineers or already a printing facility that has polymers or, or lower cost non-metal systems. Does yeah. it start there and kind of lead up or does it, does it kind of end up coming from the yeah, and it, just like uh, any, any 3D print, it depends on the situation, right? I mean, really, I see both sides of it, you know, but the key is to educate the decision makers to actually have the business plan in effect before you go to them. You know, a lot of the engineers are excited and they think it's cool and neat and they can do some different things with it, but there really isn't a business case for the company to purchase yet. So you get to a certain spot with an engineering team and it's great and they see the, you know, the effect of what they can do with the machine, uh, but then they don't have maybe the budget ready for it. So you have to look at what's coming up and that goes into convincing that next level, you know, of, of what's happening out there. And depending upon where a company is, it, 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 you know, sometimes it's not the best thing for them to do to purchase outright a machine or a solution. So they go again to those contract manufacturers. But having that ecosystem of partners that are doing that, that you can introduce them to and guide them along the way of their journey and make sure what they're doing is appropriate and it just doesn't you know, sit on the back shelf somewhere and uh, get moved on to some other process. Um, that's the big thing, you know, the, the follow-ups, the callbacks, the working together with somebody and finding out what's the business plan, what's actually going on here. Um, that's, um, that happens on all sides. It happens from the bottom up and it happens from the top down. And, uh, it's a big challenge, especially when you're working, uh, you know, uh, with educating the, uh, the C-suite and, uh, making them buy into what's going on because obviously you want to have a solution that works and, right. uh, and that's the bottom line. Yeah, I had a recent conversation with Juan Mario Gomez from Exact Metal, and he made a really interesting point that with about risk for certainly some of these bigger metal machines, where a failed build is five, six thousand dollars at the door, and yeah. risk translates everywhere from hey, if I'm a small medium and I'm spending a million, million and a half on a machine, like that's betting a significant portion of this year, the, the next year's company future on, on that and the, the access to the machine or the risk tolerance to find those new applications or kind of really engage with a broader application set can be somewhat limited if, if you, with budget for some companies. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously budgets, the, the bottom line again, you know, <laughs> 
money do you have to spend? Um, you know, you see the bigger companies doing this, you know, they've jumped in, the, the Siemens of the world, the J-Bills, you know, the big companies that are actually doing the large scale production, looking into how to have the multiple machines, you know, and that's the, dr the dream, right? To have this uh, distributed manufacturing where it's available everywhere in every country and every locality. And, uh, you know, there's, a, there's it's, it's, it's growing, it's getting there. The, the, the idea is there, the things are in place, the technology is there as it's growing. Uh, but handling all of the data that's in between is also a big challenge, you know. And, um, you know, some, it's easier for the large companies, and that's why I brought it up. But some of the smaller companies, it's, it's not so easy, you know. And uh, that's where, again, that having the right partner, having the right education, walking through it and building that business plan, give you that ROI you're looking for. Um, you know, there's, it all comes down to your inventory, right? You have parts in your inventory. Are these parts, some of them are better suited for 3D printing than, than others. How do you know? Ask the experts, you know, get out there, talk to multiple vendors, find out, you know, find out what part of your inventory can be used for 3D printing and why there's certain things that shouldn't be changed and should never be put in the 3D printer, you know, but there's plenty of people that want you to go ahead and 3D print this and they don't know it has no cost benefit of doing that. So it's that not making somebody feel foolish, but, you know, actually going through and looking at inventory with a professional that can be, you know, kind of the consultant walking you through, hey, let's look at why these particular items inside of your inventory might be better suited for 3D printed than the rest of them and how we could improve them and show you that ROI and value inside of those. So it, it's a challenge, but it's, it's possible and it's, it's happening across the board and it's happening more and more. And given kind of the circumstances of, of 2020, everyone's kind of homebound for the most part. I mean, manufacturing's kind of is a critical piece of infrastructure. So that's continuing. How have you seen specifically the added manufacturing ecosystem change? And there's no, no big conferences and there's certainly been, been changes across communication, but in your perspective, what, what have you seen change? Yeah, you know, when I think ecosystem, you know, I, I, of course, you know, started the machine and what the machines did five years ago compared to what they do now. Um, you know, some of the machines, even the operating systems they were running on were antiquated operating systems. Uh, so, you know, when you look at, hey, what is that whole ecosystem and how has it grown over the last five years? Those things have changed. You know, people are starting to look at the more open architecture and where that's good and where that's bad. You know, because a lot of people have been screaming for open architecture for a lot of years. And there's places where that is good. It's mostly in the R&D sensibility, you know. But when you get into production, you do want to lock down your processes because you have to get those processes qualified and certified and everything else, especially in aerospace and automotive uh, and medical, as we know. Um, so there's a lot of different things that need to happen. Where I see the ecosystem changing is, you know, we're starting to, software partners are starting to work together with the machines, you know, uh, people are starting to open up their IP, they're starting to look at different ways that they could actually have support on all levels, and it comes down to the data, you know, what's happening with the data, how are we sharing da data, how is it that whole, they call it the, you know, digital thread, the digital value chain. But it's real, you know, and there's that that ecosystem of support is growing around that, you know, what's happening from cradle to grave with this part. And what do we need other than this printer? Because it's not only the printer, as you know, there's a lot of 
pre and post processing steps that go along with it. And that's where that ecosystem of support needs to grow. And it has been growing over the last five years. You know, you know, the big companies out there, the EOS, the SLM, the GEs, the HPs, everyone is looking at how they can support that, that ecosystem. Uh, and I see that um, is growing on the pre and post processing side. So software and machine tools being integrated with 3D printing. And uh, it's, it's only getting better. There's a lot of great partnerships that just started up even over this last nine months that are accelerating that whole ecosystem. So looking forward to so much more. Do you think that has changed the equipment manufacturer's approach in finding new customers, expanding their customer base when you... I mean, it's hard to go see, go to a trade show like IMTS or Formnext in, in this ecosystem. Have, have you seen yeah. any changes in, in marketing or even how you think about inter- interacting with uh, potential users in the space? Yeah, that, you know, that's always the challenge. And that's pretty much the question I get from most people is, you know, how do we find the next user? How do we find the next industry, the next application? Um, you know, and again, that goes back into education and security, right? You have to have a database. And I see a lot of the OEMs doing this, a database to educate people out there, not only to purchase the machine, but that whole, what you actually have to be looking at other than the machine. Um, so, you know, the right, the right people are changing that growing education, growing training. Um, but yeah, it's different in the virtual world. Uh, it's been a challenge for all of us. You know, we're, we're all um, not able to be face-to-face, to do the handshakes, to actually go over to the machine and to work things out. You know, it can be done, but it, there's a lot more of, uh, you know, a lot less of it being done because of the current climate. Um, so those challenges are being overcome with, you know, processes. I talked to companies that are put in processes of allowing people in their building and not what that looks like. But again, you know, we're still having to deal with this virtual world. So what can you do? What can you do? You could show a lot of what's happening via, you know, via computer, via your, you know, your, your, your prompter, your screen or whatever you have to show these things. But it's still, you know, you need the hands on at some point, you know. And um, so uh, I guess we're all hoping and, and looking forward to that day when it can get back to I think it's going to be an integrated future, you know. We have the hands-on and then we have the virtual world and people are more comfortable with it now. So we're going to be taking advantage of both as we go forward. That's the, that's the hope at least. You know, I think a lot of things have been changing at the end of the year. We have this vaccine that's out now. We have a lot more processes in place that mitigate risks. And so as we go forward, I think uh, you're going to see a lot more of the two of those working together, in-person, hands-on, and also virtual integrated together. And we're seeing that even at the, the conferences we're seeing out there. You know, AIM just announced next uh, year that they'll be having that uh, in, in Orlando, Florida. And that's uh, my old hometown there. So it's going to be great to see that there. Uh, but, you know, everyone's wondering what that's really going to look like, right? Uh, all these trade shows, what are they really going to look like? So uh, a lot of it's still going to be the integrated virtual world with being there uh, in person. And uh, here we go. You know, we're, it's, it's a new year coming up. So we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. And so speaking of that, kind of what are you excited about kind of both personally and professionally with kind of the podcast growing? What, what's kind of on your docket for the next year? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, the next year is interesting. You know, a lot of great conversations uh, with, with companies right now. Um, of course, 
still uh, working both part-time, but also looking for a full-time position with a company right now. Uh, there's a lot of great things to, to, to do. I mean, there's, there's so much out there. there. The companies are growing. People are moving in different directions. People are settling at different companies. Uh, you know, um, back, back to the drawing board, basically. It's a new year. We're going to see what happens. Um, I'm going to be continuing what I'm doing with talking to the industry and, and picking up the community as much as I can, because there are so many great stories, you know, to tell. But I think that that comfort of the virtual world is a big deal going forward and uh, how we actually integrate that into our daily lives in a, in a, in a new and better way. I mean, there's, there's more things that are coming out that, that actually, you know, make the experience better for all. Um, but th that brings up another good point. You know, there's the augmented reality side of it, you know. Uh, that that I think we're gonna see, we see a lot more of that happening. Uh, the VR, the augmented reality, the AI, artificial intelligence, uh, that is really being pushed hard because people need it now, right? Uh, it was like kind of slowly coming into the world uh, and coming into our industry very slowly, trickling in. But uh, that's that's speeding up at a fast pace. So I think go, coming into the next year, we're going to really be looking at a lot more of that stuff uh, as we go forward, especially on the augmented reality side. I think that helps a lot uh, on all aspects of understanding and learning and seeing and touching and feeling. So, uh, you know, it's, it's going to, it's a new year. It's, it's exciting. Uh, I think we have a lot that we learned this year. Uh, networking has been really huge and uh, just continuing that, continuing that forward. And, you know, we do have an industry that is growing, is exciting. And it's just on that tipping point of, of actually being fully industrialized. So uh, we just keep riding the wave, you know? Absolutely. And I look forward to seeing you in Orlando, hopefully. And yes, yes. We could uh, see each other. It's funny because I'm wondering, you know, we're going to see people and I'm like, oh, I didn't know you were two foot tall or oh my God, you're uh, eight foot, you, you know, because it's like it's so 50 different. 50 pounds of muscle over the... Yeah, yeah, you're all, you're all muscle. Yeah. It's like you never know. Uh, I was thinking about that because a couple people that I, I saw that I thought were one way or another, a different way. And it's like, it's interesting. So we have all that to look forward to. Oh, that's you. Oh, yeah, that's me. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, Great, great things are about to happen are happening in our industry. Uh, you just have to actually get out there and talk to people, network. And like I was saying, if you're a company looking to get into 3D printing, really talk to the people out there who are actually looking at inventories and can actually kind of find out what is useful in your particular business. Uh, because just shooting against the wall, everything that you want to 3D print isn't the right way to go about it. You know, it's better to kind of work from what, hey, you, let's go to the professionals and ask them what would work and then kind of focus on those particular parts in our inventory. I think that's really special and uh, there's a lot more of that happening. So we'll see a lot more products coming up this next year. And as we wrap up, do you want to give a shout out to your podcast? Where can people find it? What do you talk about? Sure. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's called All Digital Additive Manufacturing and it's just an acronym of Adam. Hey, imagine that. Uh, but but yeah, no, it, it's uh, it's basically an online uh, media podcast that can be found on you know LinkedIn. I'm on YouTube, uh, Apple, all your favorite podcast uh, networks. Just look for All Digital Additive Manufacturing with Adam J. Penner and that would be me. So uh, thanks for letting me uh, pop that in there. That's, that's awesome, Mike. It's, it's been great talking. I look forward to uh, doing more with you. There's a lot more to be done. So it's great to make these connections and make things happen. For sure. And we'll throw all the links up when we post this. So thanks for your time today. Have a good holiday season. And we'll talk to you at AMUG, hopefully. Yep. Happy holidays and happy 2021. We'll hopefully see you soon, buddy. All right. Thanks. All right. Thanks.